Hello, and welcome to the Body Protest Podcast, a new intersectional body image podcast that takes a deep dive into our often complicated, occasionally treacherous relationships with our bodies. We want to figure out how we can all feel more at home in our bodies and what it will take to create a world that fosters positive body image. I'm Honey Ross. And I'm Nadia Craddock. In each episode, we'll be combining storytelling with science to discuss body image, so how we feel about how we look in relation to our weight, shape, race, skin colour, physical ability, sexuality, mental health, and whatever else comes up. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest. Okay, so today we're going to be joined by Montana Rose Brown, former Love Island contestant and founder of The Swim Society. Uh, Montana is absolutely amazing. Um, she's the most radiant woman I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> we spoke a lot about my feminist guilt around the TV show Love Island. I've been very open on social media that it is genuinely one of my favourite shows. Please don't judge me. Um, but it's incredible. Like, I think it's an amazing social experiment. But obviously, it's got a lack of diversity. There's a lot of kind of... Um, there's a lot of conversation around the aftercare that the contestants receive. Montana speaks a lot about both of these things. Um, it's, you know, it's still something I'm very conflicted on, but I do really enjoy the show. And it's nice talking to someone who has been through the show and the process and telling us how it affected her. Yeah, I really enjoyed hearing her perspective on it. And I haven't seen Love Island. Obviously, as a body image researcher, I've heard lots of the discourse around it and there was something that did make me feel very uncomfortable with something along the lines of cosmetic surgery ads popping up on maybe it was on youtube or, or something but oh you, <laughs> it's kind of terrifying but you don't get you're not bothered by the well the thing is like i think i so have hardwired into my brain now that i don't compare myself to other people that i'm really luckily unaffected by it but i know that i'm in the minority there like around the time the show airs there's 100 memes being like when I'm watching Love Island and then I look at my stomach and you're like oh no like I don't want you to feel like that and but you know how I see it is I'm like the people on the show are so like conventionally attractive that to me they're like CGI like they're not even real like obviously they're real and they're wonderful people but it's so far removed from what my body would ever look like that I'm like well I don't compare myself to that because why would I you're setting yourself up for failure can you see the show being run with like a diverse range of of bodies well I mean oh god I'm probably the wrong person to ask because like yes because I think I'm really sexy and should be on Love Island but again I know that not I mean well what was the quote that ITV said they were like we would love to make the show more diverse, but we also need the contestants to fancy each other. And I was like, yes, really? because... Did they say that? Yeah, someone said that. And I was like, oh yeah, because no one's ever fancied me. I'm like, come on. I'm like, it's so ridiculous. You're like, but people who don't look like that find love and happiness all the time. And it's, you know, it's an unrealistic thing. I think if you take it with a grain of salt and watch it, you know, with an open mind and an open heart, then it's fine. But... I guess I, I always think it should have maybe a warning for teenagers being like, you know, this isn't entirely realistic. Yeah. Well, after speaking to Montana, I felt like I wanted to watch the show. I think what her commentary on it was really interesting. Um, I know there's been a lot of chat and hype about the WhatsApp group that Scarlett oh did God. this year. It was it was such a special time. And Montana was in the WhatsApp group and we were all just like, be cool, Montana's here. Like, Montana truly is such a special, warm, incredible, intelligent woman. Um, but the, yeah, the WhatsApp group was all of my feminist heroes in one space all talking about our 
hidden forbidden love of love island and it was a very special time in my life thank you scarlet for creating that <laughs> space for us sounds great I think um, the other thing I just wanted to flag with our conversation with Montana that I thought was really interesting is that she referenced a lot about playing sports and really Mm. enjoying playing sports growing up. And it sounded like that was almost like a protective factor for her in terms of like body image because she was just like, I didn't really struggle with any like body image things growing up. And she kind of referenced being like playing lacrosse and doing this. And I think we see that over and over with research that... Um, girls drop out of playing sports oh when they because of body image concerns they start like kind of opting out not not really wanting to put themselves out there but then it, it's almost like catch 22 because then it actually it can be that protective factor because then you become more in tune to your body and you kind of appreciate your body you see your body yeah. as something else if you're you're engaging in sports so I think it's something that we'd really like to see more working on that drop out yeah I definitely did that I was definitely I was body shamed by my PE teacher which is so sad she was like she was like I'm really worried about your health and I was like bitch no you're not like you're not worried about my health this is and I was like I just don't want to do cross-country running like I could do if I wanted to but like everyone is shaming me for having a little tummy like how dare you but I, I think I always it made me so sad because when I became an adult I loved exercising yeah. like I completely re-established my relationship with it and like went to yoga went to spin class like it wasn't for weight loss obviously like I just went because it was good for my mental health and it made me really happy and I was like I wish we could give that to teenagers and be like no no exercise is actually really fun and good for you and it's good for your mind and it's good for your soul like and I felt like what I love about Montana is you can tell that she's a woman who has had that her whole life. Yeah. Of like yeah. been connected to her body and it's like, it's really special. Yeah. And I think with exercise, you definitely can find something that's like, that suits you. Cause like not everyone is going to be a cross country runner. Like that's not, that's no. not for everyone. Right. Like, so you just find what, what feels good in your body. And I think it is a bit about experimentation and trying things out and then being like, oh, you know, I'll try this, try that, try the other. And then, and, and see what feels good and different things will feel good at different times. Yeah, exactly. Well, I used to love cross country at school, but I would not run for I've, five minutes now. I despise but. running. I taste blood like within two <laughs> minutes, and I'm like, this is not correct. Um, before we go into the episode, we also talk a lot about Instagram and pressure, pressure to be authentic, pressure to post, pressure to look a certain way, be a certain way, obviously you know what podcast you're listening to but um it's yeah it was very interesting to hear Montana's perspective on that because I personally really love her Instagram I think she's really open on it and it's very it's just very wholesome but um she talked a lot about how she felt the need to cover up a bit more after Love Island and it that was just very interesting to me um and genuinely I love the Swim Society brand I think it's brilliant and I wear a lot of their bikinis awesome I think it's time to hear from Montana brilliant Self-love is true love. Honour the most important relationship in your life, yourself. Our sponsor, Womanizer, believes that every person has the right to pleasure and self-love, regardless of age, sexuality, size and colour. A wonderful way to learn to appreciate your body is through self-pleasure. Masturbation is a truly joyful way to connect with your body and learn to feel comfortable in your skin. Everyone should feel able to feel comfortable in their body and explore their own sexual needs and desires. In this house, we see masturbation as the purest form of self-love. Unlike other vibrators, Womanizer products stimulate with soft pressure waves. It is stimulation without touch, meaning there is no chance of overstimulation or loss of sensitivity. Get yourself your very own Womanizer at womanizer.com UK so you can light a candle, run a bath and have a mind-blowing night of sexy self-care. 
Montana, thank you so much for joining us on the Body Protest Podcast. I know, we are very excited. We are joined by the fantastic Montana Rose Brown. Woo woo! I'm going to give myself a woo woo! <laughs> um, would you like to introduce yourself? I never know what to say. Like, okay, I'm Montana Brown, um, former chamber choir and <laughs> lacrosse captain. Um, but obviously I was on Love Island in 2017 and now I kind of do bits of like presenting. Um, I've obviously got my own brand, Swim Society. Which so we will talk a lot about Yeah, later. we'll talk a lot about. Um, but overall, just normal girl. Yeah. Montana Brown, normal girl. Also mm. the most radiant person I've ever seen, honestly. Yes. <laughs> I have to make that comment genuinely. When I was with you the other night, me and my best friend were just going, but she's so beautiful. <laughs> Which oh, is, you know, not to make you uncomfortable, but genuinely, we're like, God, what a radiant angel. Oh, thank um, you. But yeah, um, so I guess we'll dive in. Yeah, so I have to start off by saying I'm probably the only person in the UK who has not watched an episode of Love Island. I like that. I actually quite like that. It is very addictive, so don't start because otherwise, I feel like you will. Well, because I think it. that's yeah. that's my relationship with TV in in general. That once I start, I fully commit, and then I'm like awake until two in the morning, and then I can't. And the problem watching. with I Love Island is function. I honestly will cancel social plans to stay in and watch it. Like genuinely, <laughs> that's what I've heard so much. over summer, people will be like, "Do you want to come out and like sit on a rooftop pub garden?" I'm like, "Absolutely not." And like, if I'm not home before nine, I'm like, "Get away from me." Um, so maybe so don't. Funny. But it's also so funny. it's worth doing. Oh god, and there's going to be two seasons next yeah I'm not ready I don't think that's a good idea personally I but just... my mental health definitely yeah. not <laughs> it's also like it's a bit intense because obviously you have to watch it every day it's not right. like once a week kind of thing yeah. it's very committed home by 8 30 whatsapp group at the ready um yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure if how that's going to go to be honest I don't know if it's, if it's going to be successful this is so bad but I was actually quite relieved my relationship ended because he didn't like Love Island and I knew it would affect our relationship <laughs> so I could just watch it with no uh, strings attached yeah um, but I guess diving into that, um, I often feel really conflicted when I say Love Island is one of my favourite shows, because genuinely it is, but it does promote a very narrow um, beauty standard. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I would 100% agree with that. Um, how do you think, you know, one, how do you feel about this? And two, do you think the show could exist with a more diverse cast? I think the show could definitely exist with a more diverse cast. Do, do you know what? I think it's so hard because... I almost think it's a very like, it's a very easy watch. Everyone mm. loves watching it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, amazing, like good looking people all getting together. Like it's an easy watch. But I also don't think that a lot of people watch that show and think that's never going to be me. Yeah. Like, why don't mm-hmm. I look like that? Um, and I think, to be honest, when TVs kind of think about these initiatives and making a show, sometimes I feel like they get so caught up in is this going to be entertaining? Like, mm. are people going to watch it? That sometimes, you know, those beauty standards get sidelined a little bit. And whether that's intentional or not, I feel like there's definitely room for them to be a bit more diverse with, with sizing, with color. Mm. Yeah. Um, because even, you know, even on this previous series, you know, you had Yuandi and you had Michael. But they're, they're also, what was Michael? He was like a... He did biomedical science and yeah. it's still like, it's a very specific type, isn't it's it? super narrow. Yeah, it's very narrow. Well, and I remember, God, people were like, uh, Anna Vakili uh, is the plus size contestant. And I saw a photo and I was like, surely not. <laughs> is she like, a size 10? I was, like, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, very big size 10. I was like, she's tiny and she's gorgeous, as mm. is everyone on there. But it's, you know, 
I get a lot of messages from young girls being like, how do I watch it and not hate myself? Or like, yeah. how do I watch it and not do ab crunches in the break? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I have a lot of friends who, you know, are quite self-conscious about their body. You know, I think every, everyone's beautiful and I also think beauty comes from within. Mm-hmm. But I think when people kind of watch Love Island, it's so hard to watch that and, you know, try and try and relate to them. Yeah. It's like, no one really looks like that. Do you know what I mean? It's a very, like, there's a very small percentage of the UK that probably look like that. And there are some people that are genetically never going to look like that. Yeah, I mean, hands and, up over here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I sometimes feel like it, it's hard because um, my boyfriend's really into kind of sports and fitness. And he even said to me, some people will never be a small size. It's just no. genetically not going to yeah. happen. And that doesn't mean that they're not healthy. That doesn't mean anything. Like size doesn't mean anything. So I think... Mm introducing kind of a love island that embraces all sizes and by all sizes I don't mean oh she's curvy she's a size 10 let's get a size 18 on there what, what what's yeah. the problem with that so I definitely love to see that I think yeah. it would also be like a massive shell shock for the nation to be like yes and I think it would be a great chance to champion women yeah totally I mean I'm always so surprised I think people think I live in a hovel and I'm like no I probably sleep with more people than yeah. Come on, I get some guys. Thank no, you. I, no, I'm always like, trust me, you don't want to see my DM. Yeah. I'm like, your boyfriend's in there. <laughs> yeah. like, like, but it's, um, you know, it's one of those things. Did um, going on Love Island affect your relationship with your body? Do you know what? It definitely did. Like, so I've, I've always been relatively slim, kind of hanging like from probably a size six to a size 12. But when I was preparing to go on Love Island, I was so strict. I was gymming twice a day. Yeah. Um, and it's because I was like, yeah, everyone's going to see me. I want to mm-hmm. look ripped. I want to look amazing. And then I went on the show. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of people feel like this, but I went on the show and I just could not give less of a fuck about what I look like. I was just eating the whole time because I was so hungry. <laughs> and some people were like, no, I don't want to eat that. Um, you know, I don't want to eat carbs or I don't want to eat this and I don't want to eat too much. I was eating consistently all day, like all yeah. day. Um, but then when I left Love Island, um, from someone who I don't really care what I eat, like I never really have unless it's for something specific like modeling wise then no like I'm I'm never really dieting or anything like that I always just eat what I want but I definitely felt a pressure to upkeep that body because people were like oh wow right. Natana, she's got a great body oh how do I do that and then I was like well now I just eat cake because I'm not on tv anymore yeah so it was really hard because on one way you're like you know do you act responsible in the in the public eye and say, yeah, I eat, you know, five to seven fruit and veg a day and yeah. I have this and I like to, you know, eat everything in moderation when really my diet when I came out was really poor. But then also what's interesting is, you know, you'd gone into the villa with already an unsustainable way of living. Like, oh, you know, 100%. Jimmy yeah. twice a day, nobody can do no, that. No and, one does yeah. that. It was, you know, people were kind of going, oh, she's got this amazing body, but it's a body that's not even your own because yeah. it was, you know, coming yeah. from a place of gymming twice a day and eating really strictly. Exactly. So it's kind of, you know, I can't imagine that pressure. Yeah. And also upkeeping it because as much as it's like boohoo like yeah you get skinny shamed I used to get skinny shamed a lot being yeah. like you know you're too skinny and all of this stuff and I really struggled with um my body image when I came out because I wasn't sure what size I was supposed to be yeah um and I was a bit worried because basically I used to just love taking pictures of my ass me too. You know? <laughs> I mean, now. I just didn't stop. <laughs> and then I was getting a bit like, do I want to take pictures of, of my ass? Are people going to say if it's got smaller? And then people were yeah. really kind of honing in on oh you've you've lost weight oh you've gained weight and they really kind of people notice and you're like why do people notice you were suddenly under a microscope yeah exactly so that was something that I really shied away from and 
don't know if you noticed, but maybe the first five months I was like, ass, abs, tits, yeah, woo. <laughs> and then after that, I kind of covered up a bit because I was a bit, I was a bit body conscious. I was yeah. like, I don't want people to notice when I fluctuated weight. Like if I want to eat cake for five days, I want to eat cake for five days yeah. and I don't want to be judged on it. Totally. And I also felt a bit irresponsible coming out and saying, I haven't eaten any vegetables today. I had mini rolls. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard because you feel a sense of um, almost like responsibility because obviously you, ha- you get quite a lot of young fans. People are kind of like young teenagers and you never know what's appropriate to say, what's not appropriate to say. It, it's really difficult. Well, also because you are just, you know, a human woman, like trying to figure it out and yeah. coming out and navigating that. The show get, the recently the show has gotten a lot of kind of shit for aftercare and mental health on coming out for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, I don't know if I, you know, I won't make you talk about it because it's obviously quite... No, shall I tell you what? Like, I actually quite enjoy talking about this because I think a lot of people came out and kind of slated the aftercare, which I completely understand. Yeah. Like, there should be aftercare. But they do offer aftercare. And this is what, like, is a little bit frustrating is that, you know, people come out, as soon as they come out, they're like PAs and they get loads of money and everything's amazing. And, of course, at that point, they're not looking for aftercare because they're too busy loving mm-hmm. life and, yeah. you know living this kind of VIP lifestyle. And then it's kind of a year and a half on when maybe they've made bad career choices, maybe they've made bad decisions, maybe their career's not gone in a way that they would like to. And then they want someone to blame. And that I do think is unfair because I don't think ITV can be held responsible to look after you for the rest of your life after you go on a show like that. Because, But they should definitely manage people's expectations because I do sometimes feel like they're like it's going to be amazing you're going to be a superstar you're going to be JLo next week when really of course you can be amazing and you can do really amazing things from coming off of that show but it's tough and you also might be really 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 successful for the first year and then you might have to go back to your day job so they need to almost prep you and condition Mm. you to think would you be okay to go on the show and then in two years time go back to your day job because if you're not then don't Mm. do it yeah um, and that's the kind of more responsibility that I think they should take on their shoulders rather than, you know, I'm depressed, like this is ITV's fault because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know what you're getting yourself into. You sign your life away when you, you know, sign on the dotted line and that's part and parcel of becoming instantly famous. Yeah. What did they offer you after? So you get, um, throughout when you're actually on the show, um, you're talking to a psychotherapist called Marcy and he's great. <laughs> Um, and you know, you can speak to her whenever, like she's available when you're in the villa and also when you leave the villa and they also kind of give you contacts to, um, counseling and how to deal with, you know, being in the limelight because it is a massive adjustment. Yeah. Even like, imagine just walking in the street, you know, I, I used to live in gym gear and my hair in a bun. Like I wouldn't wash my hair in weeks and you know, no one would care. But then suddenly you've got people staring at you and slyly filming you. And asking and for a photo. Asking for photos, even like slyly recording you. And you've always got to be really aware of who's looking at you. So are they looking at me? Have I got someone on my face? Are they recording me? Yeah. It makes you very paranoid. Um, and I think anyone that goes on that show should see a therapist, like regardless. I, I think totally. therapy's great. I think anyone, any living human being should see a therapist. I think it's the best thing. And I feel like in America, it's seen as such an amazing thing to totally. like it's to see a therapist. I'm going to therapy yeah. and it's kind of quite cool. Whereas here it's like, oh, like you're, you're going to therapy. You're a psychopath. Like, no. Yeah. I also think it's a generational thing. Like I yeah. think like our like younger generations, millennial, Gen Z, we're all like, uh, guess what my therapist just said. Yeah. Whereas like our parents' generations are like, I went to therapy like yeah. whispering it like it's a dirty word yeah it's, like, it's not it's like you know if you can get access to therapy it is life-changing like, yeah it's so important to have especially I mean like 
I can't imagine what it's like to be in your position of to suddenly become so famous, kind of, you know, you go away for two months and then you come back and your life is completely different. But it's weird, like, it's a weird kind of fame because you're almost, like, famous, like, with regards to, like, millennials and, like, Mm -hmm. everyone wants a picture with you, but you're not actually famous. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you're almost like, it is, like, really bad to say, but we're, like, Z-listers because (laughs) we don't, you don't actually have a skill, like you don't it's not like you know someone who's amazing at singing or you're not a musician or you're not Mm. a writer or you're not a journalist like you don't have a specific skill like your skill is just your appearance really well also your personality like I think one thing you know that did shine across when you were on the show was how lovely you were and your personality and how funny you were oh thank you no but genuinely like and I think that does go for a lot like I think what I find what I think I imagine is the most jarring thing about coming out is people think they know you yes People call me Mon, and like only my before I went on that show, it was only really my, my really close friends that would call me Mon. And then you people shout your name down the street, and you're like, oh my god, I must know you. Yeah, and like know. people come up to you and say, I think I used to work with you in Tesco. So like, I and I'm like, that wasn't me. You know, <laughs> it was like somewhere else. And honestly, I've had conversations, and you just never know what to say. But my my point is, it's like. For example, what happened with Mike and, you know, Sophie Graydon, like, I, I feel like people that go on that show, they, ha- they have this facade on Instagram. It's like, you know, I've got an amazing car. Mm. I've got a new lease car. Yeah. I've got this clothing deal. I've got this. And it's all very competitive and life is very shiny um, and it's aspirational. Mm. But really, like, reality stars have a due diligence to discuss mental health, I think, um, and to speak out about, you know, how they're actually feeling. There have been some days where I felt mega depressed. There are some mm. days where I'm really anxious. I feel really paranoid. But on my Instagram story, I'm like, hey, guys, I've had such an amazing day. I'm doing this and this. Yeah. And I feel like, especially for the sake of, like, uh, the younger generation, people need to normalize mental health. And everyone suffers with some sort of mental health at one point in their life, whether it's to do with grief, anxiety, depression. Totally. Um, so I just think people need to be more okay with sharing how they truly feel. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the whole point of being a reality star is the reality of it. That's what people like. And then it's like, you know, there's a gap where yeah. the authenticity is lost. 100%. And people feel the need to keep up this facade. But that's exactly it. It is the facade and it is that aspiration, like talking about like making it as glossy as it can be. And then yeah. you feel like almost, or I can imagine feeling trapped within like, as you were saying at the beginning, like keeping up appearances within that. And yeah. then how do you, like what do you find grounding with managing social media, with managing your interactions on that? I mean, it's really difficult because obviously you have your agent who obviously suggests like what's right and wrong to right. do. Like for example, I completely forgot that I had a tax bill to pay. Like, <laughs> so the first the first year of me being on Love Island, I was like, yeah, I'm so rich. <laughs> so I spent all this money and then like I got slapped with this big fat tax bill and I was Oof. like, Oh, I don't have that on my account. What's going to happen? And I really had like a, I was like really stressing because, and that's another thing that I feel like ITV need to kind of give advice on is how to manage your money because yeah. that's a massive thing because I think, especially because I was a student before, right. living out my overdraft, living my best life on <laughs> Greg's, you know, McDonald's. Um, and then you suddenly have, you know, lots and lots of money yeah. and, and you think that you're rich. Mm. You actually think that the money that you're getting, like say for example, like, you know, clothing deals, you can get hundred hundred grand for a clothing wow. deal you know you're getting paid between probably five and ten thousand for, for an instagram post like all this money like in your head you're like this is i'm rich like i am a billionaire yeah but really in the grand scheme of things you're not actually rich like that money like you need to save that for you know a rainy day and no one really teaches you that and i really wanted to come out on instagram and be like guys i've been sat with a big fat old tax bill <laughs> and i'm really scared because i think the bit is going to come around and start taking my stuff um <laughs> 
But like, it's kind of like, where do you find the barrier of like what to share and what not to share? Like, it's very, it's very difficult. And, you know, a brand's going to dislike you for kind of oversharing on that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And you, and you never know who's looking at your stuff. So it's, it's really, really difficult. It's so hard mm. to navigate. I mm. mean, uh, like I, I couldn't even comprehend the level of, you know, followers and things like that. But even I feel pressure on kind of days when I genuinely feel so awful. I'm like, do I share that? Do I tell yeah. people? And that's coming from, again, me who people are like, she literally shares when she like does a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult because there are also things that... Um, do you like do I keep this to myself yeah you know and also because once you put it out there it's out there yeah you can't take it back exactly but you also get a sense of you have all these followers but you can also feel very alone like it's a very weird thing like I think what was like for example with Mike and there was so much speculation like oh it was like doing loads of drugs and he was doing this and that and like simply it was a pure fact that he had a mental illness and he didn't Mm -hmm. speak about it yeah that's plain and simple he was really badly depressed and he didn't feel comfortable talking to anybody about it yeah and that's the sad reality that people feel like they have to upkeep this amazing shiny life when life isn't so shiny and you know he got slapped with a big fat off tax bill just like I did and it's that shock like oh my god yeah and then you feel alone with the shame of that as well as feeling depressed Mm. and not being able to talk to anyone exactly it's a perfect storm yeah especially for men when and there is, you know, there are statistics. Men are more likely to kill themselves anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's... And I feel like men, like, I was speaking to my boyfriend about this. And I think he brought up, like, kind of a valid point. I feel like men are not that they're uneducated on mental health. But because they're less likely to share yeah. about their feelings. And they're always like, oh, if a guy went up to another guy and was like, oh, yeah, mate, I'm depressed because I broke up with my ex-girlfriend. He'd be like, oh, mate, it's fine. Let's have a couple of beers. Mm. Like, it's yeah. like, whereas I think if my friend was like, you know, I'm feeling a bit depressed, I'd be like, oh, so why is that? What's the root of the problem? Like, what can we do? Like, more like pragmatic. Like, also like therapy as well. Like, you give, yeah. like, you know, one thing I love so much, one thing I loved so much about you being on Love Island was I feel like every year there is the camp of girls, girls and guys, girls, and you very firmly fell in the camp of girls, girls. Yeah. Have you always been that way? So I've always championed my girls like I'm still so close with all of my school friends with Mm. my uni friends Mm -hmm. I am just like loyal to a T like I think if my friends could describe me I'm just so hot on like loyalty like if I kissed a boy like when I was seven years old you cannot touch him like (laughs) that's it and like vice versa like if my friend kissed someone when they were 10 like I will not be going anywhere near them like and I'm so protective of my friends as well like if someone hurts my friend like and someone you know, you've had an argument with my friend, like, I'm also your enemy, that kind of thing. (laughs) So I've definitely always been a girl's girl. I've always got along with boys as well. And I love having my guy friends, but I just don't think anything can be like being a girl's girl. Well, also there's that sense of community and openness that you get from female friendship, which you can get from male friendship, but I think it's a lot rarer. And I think like that feeds back into what we were saying. If I think men don't have access to that conversation. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I could talk to my girls about anything chap nipples it's a topic <laughs> me and my friend were talking about we were what were we, we were talking about getting pregnant one day and then I was like I saw this image of like a really chap nipple from oh this no. woman that was breastfeeding and then we ended up googling chafed chafed nipples for about an hour and just talking about oh my god look at these nipples they go darker when you, you're pregnant and all of this stuff and we just were talking about chafed nipples bv thrush all in one conversation it and works. it works like it's, and it's amazing because you can I feel like so championed by my best friends just yeah. that I feel so comfortable to talk about anything mm-hmm. like 
anything that normal people would see as embarrassing. I don't feel embarrassed in front of my friends. And to be honest, like, I think my boyfriend's very, very much like that. But I don't think a lot of guys are like my boyfriend in the sense that I would do a poo in front of my boyfriend. He'd be, he would, he would be in the, like, he'd be having a bath and I'll be doing a shit. Like, like, that's healthy. Like, it should be like that. Like, I think, like, that's fantastic. And also, I remember once I wore a dress that gave me such chafe nipples at a festival, I cried. Like, I genuinely had to... The dress, it was like a bardo dress, and I wasn't wearing a bra, and my boobs were a lot perkier at the time, and the dress just was, like, skimming over my nipples, and they chafed so much, I honestly, like, crouched behind a portaloo and wept, like, it hurt so much, and then went back and changed. And I've never worn um, a dress since, I'm actually naked as we're recording this. (laughs) Um, but yeah I I bet you shared that with your girlfriends as well didn't you no I mean I was with my best friend and I was holding her hand and she was like it's okay we're gonna get you some Vaseline (laughs) we're gonna get some Vaseline on those nips of yours you know that's female friendship even like just getting naked in front of your friends I do a poo in front of my friends I fart in front of my friends whereas I know some relationships where girls are like ugh you're you're like, I would never fart in front of my boyfriend. And you're like, well, that's healthy. Yeah, well, that's really it's healthy. Like, yeah, all those farts. God forbid he knows you uh, have bodily functions. Yeah, <laughs> literally normal bodily functions. Um, this feeds into something quite nicely. Did you have a good relationship with your body growing up? I never, ever thought about my body growing up because I think because I was naturally slim, I was really sporty. Mm. And it was just something that I kind of just overlooked, I think. And so when I was younger, I mean... I was like a boy repellent. Like I did not get my first kiss until I was probably about 15. (laughs) Um, And I was really happy in my own skin, to be honest. I used to have like really like these, my mom used to put this really horrible gel in my hair called soft and free. And like, I think it was boy repellent because everyone was like, why is that girl's hair wet? When it's actually just (laughs) like, like it was like slick and it looked, it was actually wet. Like it was not okay. And, but (laughs) I was, why was she was like, Montana is never going to kiss a boy. (laughs) She's like, no boys are coming near my daughter. This is what I'm going to (laughs) do. I think that was actually why, in, in hindsight. <laughs> and I think um, it was only really until... So I went to an all-girls school until mm-hmm. year 11. And I loved going to an all-girls school. It wasn't bitchy. Everyone was friends with everybody. It was a small kind of year of 50. And everyone used to just, you know, wear their kilts and, you know, not wash their hair in a week and have hairy legs. And no one wore makeup. And it was amazing because no one really cared what they looked like. Yeah. And then when I got to sixth form, I was like, oh, there's boys involved. I was like, oh, maybe I need to put some makeup on. And that was where I started to feel the pressure because I wasn't really sure even how to behave in front of boys at that point. Well, I guess also there's that, I've been talking a lot about this recently, but there's that moment kind of through puberty where suddenly you realize even though you don't necessarily feel like a woman, you look like a woman and men start to sexualize you. And you're like, what? Like, why is this happening? And I imagine like being in an all-girls school, getting into sixth form when there are boys there, you're like, what? Why are you looking at me like that? Yeah. You know, it's a very different thing, even though you might necessarily not even be feeling kind of that sexy because you're, you know, a baby. (laughs) But I feel like I've always been very, um, like, I'm not a sheep. Like, if I think something or I want to do something, then I'll do it, like, whether people are behind me or not. So, for example, all the girls used to have, like, really, really short skirts, like, really, really short. And I just really liked wearing a long kilt. Like, I don't know what it was. I just, like, it's really sophisticated. I'm going to wear it down here below the knee. Um, And everyone was like, why is your dress so long? Like, can you roll it up? I was like, no, I like it. Um, but I think that was the first kind of time where I felt slightly pressured to, to look good. And so obviously I had curly hair Mm. and then as I grew up, I was like, no, I want straight hair because I grew up in a very white area. So, and everyone had straight hair. Everyone had really long, straight, amazing hair. And my hair was like frizzy, greasy, not nothing of the sort. So my hair's still straight now, but I almost wish that I'd embraced my curls, like especially when I was younger. 
Um, but it's not something that I did. And I think that was probably because of pressure. What's your What's your background? So I've got South American, South Africa, Japanese, Jamaican. What a mix. I mean, yeah. Really interesting. Both of my parents yeah. are mixed. So that's where, yeah. that's where that's from. But I really enjoy, I tell you what, I really, I think I was very lucky. Um, I've had really good friends growing up. Um, and we've all just kind of supported each other and no one's really given a, sh- a shit about mm-hmm. what size whoever is. And yeah. everyone was just, I've just been really lucky. And I think I'm the sort of person that I will always build my friends up. And like, I think all my friends are beautiful. Like, and they're all different shapes, sizes and ethnicities. And I just think mm-hmm. everyone's beautiful. So, and my friends are very similar. So I think I've just been really lucky. That's really nice. When you were a teen, like, were you, because you said you were kind of always pretty, like, you know, you didn't ever feel weird about your body, but did you ever go through kind of, you know, was puberty weird for you? Did you ever have like... I'll tell you what was weird for me. Yeah. Um, was, so I used to have a childminder and mm-hmm. she was kind of from Bushy area and she, she lived on a council estate and we all used to go to this park and there was like, and she had a daughter and we were like best friends yeah. and we used to just love doing things together. Anyway, so bearing in mind, I'm probably about... 13 14 at this point and I'm still at an all-girls school don't really know that many boys and I'm just in my you know, girl bubble mm-hmm. we go to this park and there are these boys I'm like oh maybe one of them will find me pretty um and one of these boys is like that girl's got a tash she's got a tash oh. and I remember being like what's a tash and then my friend was like I think he needs a mustache do you have a mustache and it's basically because I suffered really badly with hyperpigmentation like from from a young age like it's just kind of it's quite common like when you're mixed race and um I remember being like so self-conscious at that point being mm. like oh my god like, I've got a mustache I remember going back to my mum being like I have a mustache and you never told me and this boy said to me I had a mustache I'm never gonna get a boyfriend and it's kind of just discovering things like that where someone picks it out and I feel like especially younger boys they always pick out things about girls because they just don't ever think about what they say because they're morons um (laughs) so that was definitely really hard for me because I only really realized and noticed that in like when someone said that to me um so that was something that I really struggled with confidence wise um but puberty I don't think I really struggled with puberty because I was just like you know you're so um angelic honestly I'm like I was like have you ever had an awkward phase like you know when people are like oh my limbs were so long and I just was tripping over myself like I don't know I just was wondering if that had happened but so I was always very sporty so in both of the schools that I went to the sporty people were naturally like the cool the cool group yeah but should I tell you what like ever since I was at school and like my mum's always said this to me I've always wanted to be friends with everybody and I hate people feeling left out and if people were sat on their own like at lunch I would always go sit with them I don't care what group I was in or who I was with I was never the type of person to leave anybody out I hate people like feeling left out and that's what I really pride myself on and I have since I was a lot younger is that no one deserves to feel left out or bullied by anybody um but to be honest I was a weird little gangly boy lookalike child I have people used to call me daddy long legs because I just had these really long limbs and I was really good at sports I was good at running but at at that point I just I wasn't really that bothered like about what other people thought because my friends loved me and like just because boys didn't fancy me it wasn't the be all and end all because Mm. you know I was playing netball with my group of friends I was playing lacrosse with my group of friends and you know that was all that mattered to me when I was younger 
That's yeah, a healthy that, attitude. Yeah. I know, I know. So, so wholesome. I'm learning so much. <laughs> what would you say to your, like, you've got a huge Instagram following, to, to the young girls who are, like, following you, who maybe, who, or who are watching Love Island, who are kind of feeling insecure in their body and themselves? Like, is there anything, any advice you would give them? I would just um, say, stop trying to change, like, who you are. Stop trying to look older. Um you know, stop trying so hard to be a certain person or a certain version of yourself because the person who you are now is going to change because you're so young and you've, you're going to change in the next 10 years and just enjoy being young. Like I see 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds doing like winged eyeliner better than I ever have. And mm-hmm. it's just, I just find it a little bit crazy that, you know, even young kids wearing so much makeup and, you know, obviously it's their their choice, but I feel like people should enjoy their childhood yeah. for what it is and, you know, make mistakes, make more mistakes. And I think it's important to make mistakes when you're younger. Yeah. You know, have, you know, your dream at moose face. We've all been there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, we've all had some tragic foundation we times. We all thought it looked so good and it was so bad. It was so bad. And it was at the point where they didn't really have that many shades. So I used to go into school with almost like very, very dark face with like a not so dark neck and body because they didn't really have that many shades they didn't have one pale enough for me (laughs) and the lighter shade was like alabaster and I literally but I still looked orange and I used to do concealer I did dream that mousse on my lips and black eyeshadow all over my eyelids and I thought I looked like that bitch like I was like I am iconic what's wrong with us like why but I feel like it's always good to look back on those pictures and be like that was funny we were cool it's like that side fringe did you oh, were you yeah, in that yeah. era of course the side I fringe. definitely did the side fringe and yeah. my fringe right because I had curly hair and my hair was so greasy because my mum put that horrible stuff in <laughs> I used to straighten it and my hair used to like frazzle so it was all static so this bit would be up but half my hair would be like this like statically up because I burned <laughs> like singed my hair off so much so I look back on my pictures and even like because I'm still friends with all the girls I went to school with we always look back on pictures and just laugh and it is those memories like you can't look perfect forever it's humbling I think it's yeah. important to yeah. be like we've all had the glow up yeah like, exactly. need the glow up. and it's good to be able to laugh at yourself right like it's, it's good to it's healthy like, and I think people are so like not even ashamed but they're always thinking about oh what what do people think about this and you know if, if I join chamber choir are people gonna think I'm a loser I fucking love chamber choir I love chamber yeah, choir yeah I love chamber choir vibes. it was honestly like it was cool and I wish it was still cool like and even honestly you should see what I look like I feel like I'm gonna have to try and get a picture up <laughs> just to show you because it's so good do you want to wait show us at the end and then we'll okay I'll show you at the end because I do want to see but I'm also like (laughs) I don't want to because it also will be late um okay so I want to take it back to Love Island so obviously we were talking about how little representation there is for people of color on the show yeah as a woman of color on the show did you find it difficult you know during and after like you know did you feel like one thing I find frustrating is when I watch the show and, you know, they're asked, the guys are asked what's their type and they go, uh, blondes or brunettes. And you're like, so you mean white women? Like, yeah. I find it deeply frustrating. Um, was that something you experienced? Did you find it hard? So, to be honest, um, I think I'm from a, definitely from a different background to a lot of other mixed race girls out mm. there and mixed race boys. Um, in the sense that I've definitely had quite a privileged upbringing. So I didn't feel like I was segregated in any way, except the fact, like, little things that people overlook. For example, getting your hair wet is a whole different ballgame when you've got mixed race hair, Afro hair, Afro-Caribbean hair, because you can't get it wet all the time. The chemicals completely ruin it and make it it frizzy. But people just kind of overlook that. Oh, why aren't you getting in the pool? Like, don't be boring. Um, Other than that... I think I'm a little bit different because 
I, I was, I grew up in a very like white area. Yeah. I mean, I literally was the only mixed race person in my whole year, year group at school. What was that like? I never noticed a difference. Honestly, oh. I honestly never, I, I never really, really noticed. And it was only like about the hair situation um, that it kind of got brought up because I kind of was wishing that I had straight hair and, and really I should have just embraced my roots. I should have embraced my Afro-Caribbean hair. And now to be honest, I don't know if I'll ever, ever be able to get it back. But I do think it's it's so important to have a diverse ethnicities on there. Like, have we seen a Chinese person on Love Island? Well, that's a really good point. Or an, Asi- yeah. an Asian person on Love Island. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just a case of, do you know what? I think they're learning as a TV program as well because the end of the day, it's only been on for four or five years, yeah. like the, the new one. And I feel like they're constantly learning themselves and they have to be more diverse and it will set such an example. I don't think they understand like how many people watch that show. Mm. They'll set such an example and it will have such a positive impact for so many people. Like I feel like they should definitely have more mixed race. Um, And to be honest, I, I feel like it's a really, it's a really, it's very topical at the minute about this whole diversity thing. And I think it's size. I think it's ethnicity. I think it's different types of people from different types of background. I think... Every single person from that show is in some somewhat privileged in some way. Yeah. And I think let's not only have that, that that kind of sector of people. Let's bring in people who just are from all different walks of life. Mm. So, I, And I think that would really, really make such a difference to people's confidence as well. Because I think it's very hard to watch a show um, and not see yourself on the television. Yeah. So with such a widely watched show like is it mm-hmm. it's probably the biggest watched reality tv show surely I feel like it's probably the biggest tv show in the uk yeah i feel like it is um i feel like with that comes some responsibility yeah and yeah. i wonder with the skin color thing as well because you're like kind of like that golden you still kind of meet the ideal so i think because what i've heard that's the com- exactly what like i mean the, from the commentary of love island is like when it's the darker skin yeah. black um individuals on the show it's then that have got the backlash and the pushback and the kind of like unsavory comments yeah. from what yeah. from what I have yeah. seen. There's a bit of a white gaze, isn't there? Like, I I I just think even with the the black girls that were on it this year, and and Michael and Yuandi, Yuandi, she's a very specific. She she's Irish. She's also very well educated. She's a doctor, isn't she? Or she did medical. She was a scientist. She was a she? scientist, and then you've got Michael who did biomedical science, and yeah. it's, again, it's a very like, it's a very specific type mm-hmm. of person. Um, and I feel like it would be great to get, you know, someone who works in a confectionery store or someone that's just got a really... Cool... I love how specific that is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd love to get a florist. Yeah, a florist. Like, oh, just a random thing that just... The people are like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, because I think people that go on Love Island, it's automatically they're cool. So whatever they do is also considered cool. Yeah. So, and do you know what? There are so many bad things that kids especially think are cool like you know doing drugs or doing this or doing that or and I feel like they can have such a positive impact on on young people if they just kind of introduce a wide variety of people and different jobs I guess representation is so important and that's shown you know through so many statistics Mm. that it makes such a difference to kids growing up just seeing someone that looks like them on tv is so important um did you have anyone that you looked up to when you were growing up I've always looked up to my mum and Michelle Obama yeah good choice she michelle obama is just goals absolutely like i'm genuinely obsessed and oprah obviously oh powerful (laughs) incredible. (laughs) 
Okay, Montana, I want to hear about, so you're the founder of the Fumo brand, Film Society, is yes. that right? Tell me about it. It's something that I'd wanted to do for ages, but I just wanted to get the brand ethos right. And I'm I'm so passionate about, you know, champi- championing women of all sizes. And it honestly breaks my heart that some people just don't have that self-confidence because they don't think they're beautiful because they think they're a big, because they're a bigger size. Um, so I just wanted to create a swimwear brand that caters for everybody and doesn't put them in categories of, you know, plus size or skinny or tall mm. or petite and just cater for everybody. Um, so that's kind of where the premise came from mm-hmm. and it's launched and I, I honestly couldn't be happier with, with the response. But I think what's quite hard is that I do have to deal with a lot of backlash because people are like, why are you representing like larger sizes when like you're not a larger size? Like, how would you know how that feels? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, you've got no idea. But that's really interesting though, because I think if you just went for like a, a small size range, you'd get oh, backlash Oh, I'd get so anyway. much backlash, get, yeah. So but I tell you what, it's, it's I've difficult. had so many messages, like even like from Honey and, you know, everyone <laughs> in the office purrs yeah. on Honey 24-7. Um, <laughs> Honestly, but genuinely, it's my favourite bikini brand. Like I'm but not what, even joking. What's, what's the size range that you do? Uh, we go from a size 6 to a size 20. Okay. Um, and we're actually looking to increase that as well. Um, because I just feel like everyone has the right to feel confident and sexy in their own skin, in their own body, no matter what size you are. And, you know, brands should cater for people of a bigger size, whether it's, especially in bikinis, because a lot of people dread going on holiday because they're like, oh my gosh, where am I going to find a bikini? Where am I going to find a bikini that suits me? Where am I going to find a bikini that holds me in? You know, because my friend's got massive boobs and she's like, (laughs) how on earth am I going to find a bikini? Like a bit of string is not not going to help. It's not going to hold those up. Um, So, you know, I feel really honored to be part of a team and, you know, the team at Swim Society are so passionate especially about what we do and our ethos. Um, and I'm hoping that we can just go international, baby, you know, and Ooh, spread the message. I really hope so. Honestly, I feel like Swim Society just has the most incredible ethos and like your advertising, it just makes me so happy. Like oh, it's just goodness. such carefree, beautiful, diverse women having the best time. Yeah. I just love it. I'm like, when am I going to be in my advert? Like, yeah. this is what I'm waiting yeah. for, truly. You're going to get the call up, honey. The collab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Montana, thank you so much for joining us. It's a you Before are, you go, yeah. tell us where we can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at MontanaRoseBrown1. You can find Swim Society on SkinnyDip.com. And you can also find it in Topshop. You can also uh-huh. find it on ASOS. Oh, hi. Yeah, Very oh, exciting. Hi. So it's very exciting. Um, That's amazing. So yes. um, and in Gatwick, Gatwick and Luton, if you're going on holiday. Oh, my God. Yeah. Incredible. Um, thank you so much for coming. And we love you. Oh, thank oh, you so much bye. for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Body Protest Podcast, brought to you by the Pink Protest. We would love it if you left us a review and some stars, preferably five, on Apple Podcasts. Preferably. (laughs) It will help other people find our podcast and join our Body Protest family. Honey, where can we find you on social? Well, I'm on Instagram (laughs) at honeykinney, and you should also follow the Pink Protest at Pink Protest. Nadia, where can we find you? I'm at Nadia.Craddock on Instagram and you can also listen to my little work podcast, Appearance Matters the Podcast, where Jay Ponell and I talk about the body image research with some of the experts in the field. Uh, this podcast was brought to you by the Pink Protest and produced by the wonderful Scarlett Curtis.